0: so unpredictable here on the SNL Network.
1: Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network for our patron feedback show for the Quinta Brunson and Little Yachty episode of Saturday Night Live. My name is John from the SNN. Very pumped to be here with you all to wrap up the week and look forward to the Molly Shannon week as we do every single week here after an SNL episode. We get together with some of our patrons, our greatest supporters of the podcast to talk through everything from the week, answer your questions and get excited for what's to come next. So very pumped to get into this particular episode and we'll start things off by introducing our guests on the panel tonight. So first up, we got my man, Fred. Fred, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great uh how's everything with you great uh great show this week happy to uh excited to talk our about. show
1: or our podcast or the actual snl
0: all your shows yeah
1: perfect all right fred well uh very excited to have you back on the podcast with us and get to hear your thoughts on the season and we'll get to them in just a moment but first i have to introduce our other patron we have with us today joining us for the first time on the saturday night network it is mike lieb mike how you doing
2: John, it is an absolute treat to be here, longtime fan supporter of the podcast and uh, you know a longtime fan of Saturday Night Live, Happy P- Passover, Easter, Ramadan, and importantly, national Burrito Day, if you know for those who partake in celebrations. So uh, John, I hope all is well with you. It's a pleasure to be here
1: absolutely yeah happy celebrating to everybody no matter what you are celebrating it's so great to talk to both of you i'm excited to get your thoughts on the season on this episode and then we'll get into your questions so fred i'm going to start with you it's been a while since we got to hear from you a few months ago and i always love to hear your thoughts whether it's in the chat or on the show so tell me how you're feeling about season 48 right now so i'm
0: i love season 48 um i feel like it feels very fresh i feel like the cast is really connected um i feel like they all get along super well and i feel like it's a perfect transitionary season um and in a way like it almost reminds me of like a marriage between like obviously like this like the past few seasons combined with like a bit of like the bill haters era like there's something a little bit like fresh a little bit quirky a little smarter about like the sense of humor with it and i'm just really excited about like what has come out of it so far uh I'm, I'm really enjoying like nearly everything about it so very excited
1: that's great to hear yeah you seem to be on the same page as a lot of people people seem to be really high on season 48 more than just our community the general fans the casuals they're very into the season as well so i'm sure we'll talk about that tonight but mike first time we get to hear your thoughts on snl in general how did you get into the show and please tell us your thoughts on the season
2: yeah, you know my history with the show goes way back. Has its ups and downs. Um, starting as a young kid, I was introduced to Saturday Night Live by my parents. Um, starting with Dana Carvey's uh, chopping broccoli, right? Like I came from a parents uh, and a family of musicians, and so I remember being six or seven years old and immediately running downstairs after watching that and trying to replicate that song on the piano or the guitar. And just, you know, it's like, that really stuck with me and, you know, Kyle Bell, of course, but I think you and I are kind of the same age, John. So, you know, come season 30 ish, right around, you know, right before high school, middle school, you know, it's, uh, why right is that new cast comes in with the lonely Island, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig and, and that crew. Um, really just kind of got hooked and and hasn't stopped since then um took a little break during college and then right around season 40 um till now it's just been uh just a great great ride to to be a part of so yeah
1: so how are you feeling about this season knowing that you have seen a good amount of the show
2: yeah yeah and i'm I'm obsessed with the history which is what brought me to this this podcast and a Saturday Night Network. So I love it. Um, this season has been amazing. And, uh, you know, as with every season of Saturday Night Live since the beginning of time, it's going to have its ups and downs. You know, for every try guy sketch or phrase that pays, there's going to be Elisa from Temecula or, you know, the uh, traffic jam sketch that we got this last week. So um, overall, it's been a great season. And I think with the cast and the writing refresh, It's, um, you know, you assume it takes a little bit of time for things to click, but I'm really impressed with what we've seen, and I'm excited to see what we will have for the seasons to come leading up to the 50th. And, um, you know, just to talk a little bit about the featured cast members that we've got this year, I know last year with certain cast members, maybe they didn't get a chance to shine, you know, a la Aristotle, but Molly has shown their chance to bring their intense energy to the show that has, I think, personally lacked the last few years and maybe what was the cause of some of the criticism. So having that energy and, you know, Devin consistently bringing the elevated sketches up, Marcel with his confidence and his uh, impressions to can Update and sketches, and uh, Michael Longfellow just, you know, doing everything he can, making an absolute mess of the makeup table and all the costumes he's wearing. Uh, it, it's, it's really exciting. And to me, there's truly no featured player. Everyone is a valuable member of this cast.
1: It's really fascinating. And, you know, we were talking a little bit in the pre-show about, you know, the podcast starting and at the beginning of 46. And, you know, if you go back and you watch some of those episodes in our early days of the podcast, one of the things I was saying was it it was very season 50 focused. It was like, okay, this is our five-year plan. Most businesses have five-year plans. It was like, how are we going to get from where we are now, which was a little bit of a dark time in the world and on the show to getting out of this and then towards what could be the, you know, the year with the most eyeballs on the show. And now we're about, you know, a little bit, probably more than halfway there. And the show is a completely different show than where I started when I started covering this. So it seems like we've, you know, done so much good at the show. I'm so excited to get to celebrate it week after week. But let's talk about this week specifically with Quinta Brunson and Lil Yachty. Fred, I'd love to know from you, how are you feeling about what you saw this week on Quinta's Week?
0: I really like this episode. I left it feeling like super jazz. I will say it felt uneven for me. I think some of the people like I've heard from that they they were a little bit more bullish on it. I think the first half was phenomenal like if they just could have carried that throughout the entire episode, it could have been like one of my favorite episodes of the season easily by far like I think from like I mean the cold open was fine, but like you know the car sketch, the cocaine sketch, bridesmaids was pretty good, and then we can update, but then like the latter half for me wasn't quite cutting it. Um, as much. And I think Quinta was great. I think she blended in very well, maybe sometimes a little too well, but it's kind of also like part of her charm and like what everyone likes about her. Like that's kind of like her style. So I think she did a great job. I thought it was a great episode. I left it feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah, last night on By the Numbers, Mike Murray was live with Andrew Haynes and Zoe Walker for a great episode of that podcast. So go back and check that one out. But I believe that Mike was saying, if I remember correctly, he was saying that this could have been the lowest screen time for a host um, in a long time. So, uh, you know, this was, you know, in a way it, you know, Quinta really blended into the cast and you said, Perhaps to a fault, but it's interesting because a lot of people seem to enjoy having that aspect of the show, and I think one of our questions tonight will address something that we can talk about when it comes to which host we would like to see join the cast, so we'll talk about that.: in
0: a bit. And I normally, just to, to caveat that, I actually normally like that. Like I watched a show for the cast and like rarely for the host, so like to me, that's actually a good thing, like when they kind of mm-hmm. blend in because you know I want to see the whole ensemble.
1: Absolutely. Mike, let's get your thoughts on this week with Quinta Brunson.
2: I have to be completely honest with you, John, and I hope the fans don't come after me. I personally didn't know Quinta's name. When, when, when she was announced, I had to look up Quinta Brunson. And then when I saw her, I said, oh, that's Abbott L. Mountry. Absolutely, I know. Um, I binged the entire first season of Abbott L. Mountry, and I loved it. She was amazing. She killed. And I had high expectations going into the episode, and I was not disappointed. I thought when she went out and did her monologue, that she could have been, I had i had written down in my notes. Is she a stand-up artist? Is she a comedian? Because she fits so perfectly well and felt so comfortable that as a viewer, there was no line between host and cast member. She could have just squeezed right in. Um, but as far as the individual um, sketches are concerned, I do have to agree with Fred that it you know was a little uneven in some aspects. I think the ones I felt less favorable about. I came back the next day on on rewatch, felt a little better about, um, you know, specifically like Midwife was just a whole, uh, we can talk about this later, but I was so confused about what I just saw. And then on rewatch, I knew what to expect. So it felt a little better about that. But, you know, that was eased by just how strong, you know, the traffic um, altercation sketch was and you know the drug dealer and just weekend update and i felt like it's overall one of the best uh, episodes we have had in a long time
1: yeah that was me with pdd by the way which i talked about on the round table was just that like the first time i saw it it was so different that i think it caught me off guard and i wasn't able to fully appreciate it but then on second watch i think i enjoyed it more but you guys you know through the conversation it's an interesting philosophical question about the host which is if they blend so well into the cast, is that a, you know, positive thing where we're going to walk away feeling like, okay, the host was so good, they could have been a cast member, or perhaps is that a detriment on some of the cast members that they're not good enough to rise above the host. And it's like an interesting, you know, thing Mm -hmm. to think about here, where you talk about like, what, who should be standing out? Should it be the host or the cast? Or do you want an even playing field? And for what it's worth, I don't think there's a right answer here. But it certainly creates interesting conversation.
2: Yeah, and humor is subjective, John. At the end of the day, I enjoyed the episode to the living pack. Sure. And if that is what I walk away with, then there's no complaints. With
0: me. Yeah, I just want to see these people on TV, right? I just like like them. I want to be their friends. Like at the end of the day, yeah, I'm pretty happy with anything.
1: Okay, well, why don't we get into our questions from this week? Thanks to everybody who sent in their questions, and we'll talk a little bit more about this episode and then start to talk about Molly Shannon coming in to host SNL. So let's kick things off with a great question from our friend and fellow patron, Connor King, who asks, I was afraid that this episode would be so over the top with Trump coverage, and I am relieved it was not. I recall the season 43 finale with Tina Fey having a Trump cold open, a Morning Joe sketch, as well as a Sarah Palin sketch all in one episode. How grateful should we be that the show is willing to take a different direction at this point? Or is the show just waiting for their commentary on all of this for the season 49 slash 50, and we should enjoy this while it lasts? So Fred, what are your thoughts on Connor's question here?
0: So. I guess my interpretation of his question is like, I I wouldn't call it grateful because like he's no longer our president and he's no longer every week saying something like ridiculously offensive or absurd or like honestly comical in its own sense. So I wouldn't call it, we should be grateful. It's just like, there's not as much buzz around him. Uh, And there's still plenty of Trump um, on the show, but I think that like it could it's possible that there could be more trump going forward i mean with having jaj J. J. doesn't help like i feel like if there wasn't jaj J., even the show would be like maybe we should we should tone it down we should step away from this but when you have somebody that powerful like it's kind of like why not use like such a powerful person but i i don't think i think even the show has realized after like four or so years that enough trump or like let's at least like watch this a little bit like we don't want to overdo it and i don't know if the trump sketches like you might know john are as much clickbait anymore now that it's not like alec baldwin and all these celebrities like maybe they they're not as incentivized to do so anymore either so i'm I'm not too concerned i just don't want like nine minute trump cold opens at the expense of like something brilliantly written by like a young future john mulaney or something
1: Yeah, I don't think they're as clickbaity as they once were. But, you know, this discussion sort of reminds me about the Obama discussion that was happening while Fred and then later Jay was playing him, which was, you know, every president that's been played or personated on SNL, they there was a take. And with Obama, they always struggled to find one because he was so normal. And it sort of reminds me a little bit about what's happening with Biden, which is like, I think, you know, except for like the old man thing, like they don't really have anything else to play with here. But with Trump, he's always giving them material. So it sort of just makes sense, let alone the fact that like it's the first time in history that we've had a president become indicted. So naturally, they're going to cover it. But I will answer Connor's question and what my thoughts are. But I want to get Mike's first. So Mike, what do you think about this question from Connor?
2: Yeah, you know, like it or not, political sketches will forever be a staple of SNL Uh, is really the foundation of what the show was built on in the early, you know, in the mid-70s. These are the sketches that will show up on your traditional media outlets. And although us SNL, you know, hardcore fans are burnt out on the politics, it's going to continue to bring in new and casual viewers, which is what, you know, NBC and Saturday Night Live want. Um, You know, we've had this conversation time and time again about Trump burnout, and it is real, trust me. But uh, you know, Trump has a hook, uh, unlike like you, you had mentioned with Biden. Um, but the choice to sprinkle a little bit of J.J. J. Trump impression and maybe only every three or four episodes would be ideal to me. Um, and I and I love his impressions. I think it's a breath of fresh air compared to what we had seen with Alec Baldwin. But it's inevitable that we will have a return to politics the closer it gets to the election. Uh, and for cast members, it's job security, right? So when it gets to that time, you know, one sketch, maybe the cold open and uh, a weekend update joke, um, keep it at that. But um, like you had mentioned, Fred, let the slice of life AKA fresh air away from politics continue to shine through to a young John Mulaney writer or uh, you know aspiring uh, cast member.
1: Totally. You know, I think that there's a lot that could have been done in season 48 between Trump and DeSantis. I think that's the main, you know, political thing that I think in another season, they would have just ate right up knowing that this, you know, big battle is coming eventually. And, you know, who is going to play DeSantis? You know, when are they going to... And eventually, like, you know, we will see what happens with this indictment, but could eventually we end up getting some sort of debate between these two people who clearly don't like each other. And I think in 46 or maybe even parts of 47 you would have had writers that would have made sure to put something in there. But the fact that we're, you know, in this, you know, middle ground between two major elections, and also I think that writers that are hired now are not necessarily as strong politically as they are writing slice of life or different types of scenes, I think that's what's led to them not overdoing it with the politics. I would assume, Connor, to answer your question, that in season 49 or season 50, we're going to end up doubling down on a lot of the politics stuff, not only because it's in the news, but because they will end up, you know, hiring a couple new writers who are probably more politically based uh so it, a lot of it has to do with the makeup of the writers room and what we're getting from that you know those teams that team up together like Mikey and Streeter are not writing you know politics sketches and stuff like that so you know uh some of the new writers we don't know how they write politics so it's going to be an interesting thing to watch going into next season all right let's get to our next question from Jeremy Boulard and this is the question i referenced earlier but Jeremy wanted to know if you could only add one host to the cast from all of the hosts this season who would you pick? So, uh, you know, out of every single host you had in 48, you know what, let's take Steve Martin and Martin Short out. I think that's Thank you. That's Thank reasonable. you for that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> let's take them out of the mix, because I think that's the natural answer that most people would give. So if we were to remove Steve Marty Marty, added every other host this season, is there one that really stands out to you as the one that you think should be added to the cast if that was at all possible? So, Mike, what do you think?
2: Uh, that's a good question, and thank you for eliminating Stephen Marty out of that, because that is the obvious answer. But uh, you know, we've seen so many talented hosts walk through the halls this season, and um more importantly, we've had two amazing actresses just in the last two weeks, back to back with Jen Ortega and uh Quinta. So I think either one of those I could see filling that extra spot in the cast. And really killing it, you know. Again, I'm so maybe just I'm high on the last episode of with Quinta, but she was amazing. She was confident, comfortable, and broad energy, and I love to see that. But um, you know, I don't think it's the last time we'll see either one of those walking through the halls of 8H. Uh, um, but you know, along with that, I could also see an Aubrey or even Miles Teller. Um, but yeah, uh, Quinta's my my short answer.
1: Okay, Fred, who's your pick?
2: I'd have to go with Brendan Gleeson done
1: but
0: no i'm kidding no 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 Um,
1: i I (laughs) thank you for that um i i i
0: I think aubrey plaza would fit in well because i think that um amongst the female cast there's there's nobody dark and dry like she is so she'd be able to kind of stand out in her own way like in an alternate universe i could see her and like longfellow having like recurring characters of like a a couple or siblings or something like because yeah, like, I think she can carve out, like, a niche for herself that would be kind of interesting to see. And I thought she was great. Like, that was one of my favorite episodes of the season. So I I would sorry, say...
2: Sorry, Fred, but what was that goth talk back in the 90s? It had Chris Kattan, and I can't remember who the actress was. I could almost see the same sort of um, synergy between, like you had mentioned, with, with like Michael Longfellow and Aubrey.
0: Yeah, I think, like, she'd she'd fit, like, a unique kind of spot, Um
1: I mean, was it not Molly Shannon with Chris Kattan?
2: (laughs) Was it Molly Shannon? It was Molly Shannon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll see that next week. (laughs) Maybe, yeah
1: yeah well uh i can't believe the two of you didn't uh pick this person but to me it's kiki palmer 100 percent. i think that kiki palmer is like just brings that extra flavor of energy that i think would be great for the show i think that you know quinta is great uh i think austin butler was good too i think Aubrey plaza was great but all of them you know felt to me like they fit in really well but i think that uh kiki had that, the like star potential that sometimes we get to see from like a kate or a bowen like at times you know like That where it's like, okay, if Kiki Palmer grew up on the show and was like a cast member for years, people would be talking about how this person's gonna like you know move on from the show and be in all these movies. So I think it would be you know besides Steve marty I think it'd be Kiki.
2: That was I agree with you, John. Kiki Kiki has so much potential. I would love to see her come back and host again because she needs to make up for the poor writing on this on this time around. Unfortunately, that episode did not resonate with me personally. I, didn't, yeah. I think that she deserves to come back and have another try at it, and I agree with you. She would be an amazing fit with the with the cast, for sure.
1: All right, let's take this next question that comes from our friend Ken George Jones. Ken says, I know this has been talked about before, but for me, Chloe not only does a better job in more straightforward supporting parts than in her campy star turns, um, (laughs) but I'd say she also gets a much more positive response from viewers than she does in those broader sketches. Do you think there is just so much fan support to go around for these pieces, support which tends to go to Bowen or to a lesser degree Heidi, or is that Chloe and those who write with her uh, who don't know how to use her talents, what would you do with Chloe if you were an SNL writer? So let's address Ken's point and ask what we would do with Chloe if we had the opportunity to write for her. So Fred, let's start with you on this one.
0: So by broader, I'm assuming he means like the big impressions, all of that. like
1: Yeah, or character work.
0: Like the character work. So. I think amongst like our community, maybe there's an appreciation for the more like secondary characters, but I do think that like the average viewer, like plenty of people I speak to or like even her own Instagram, it's like those bigger characters that she probably wants to do and that other like the average viewer appreciates more than like we may. So I think it's probably a bit twofold. I think that right, bigger, louder, more unique always sells a bit more. She might appreciate doing that more i mean that being said i feel like she's thrown in a lot of sketches like we saw this last episode right she was all over the place and like smaller like i don't want to call them bit roles but you know kind of a bit more of the straight woman but like so i i think what's happening on the show right now is probably very rational um this didn't really come to mind to me um, because sometimes she really knocks out of the park with her characters so i wouldn't want to tone that down either
1: Yeah, Mike, I think part of the thing here is like when Chloe auditions for the show and can do all these really incredible impressions of people, naturally, you know, you're going to get writers who are going to be like, okay, I want to use her talents and put her in those roles. But is that what's the best thing for her if you were to write for her?
2: Yeah, you know, I think ultimately, when you get to SNL, you audition, you go through the auditioning process, and you come in with your characters and your character type. Uh, the writers are going to play to that, right? So uh, Chloe has done an amazing job with her so-called, you know, you can call it campy impersonations of, you know, Drew Barrymore or Britney Spears. And sure, maybe they overstayed their welcome. But I think naturally over time, and what we are starting to see with Chloe, I think now is that, you know, she is a terrific performer who is now becoming more comfortable and confident playing that supporting role, being, you know, kind of a a glue in, in some aspects. And you know, as certainly as you know just this last week you saw the the traffic jam sketch, she doesn't need the campy over the top character, even though her actions may have been over the top to to Mikey in that sketch but um you know to be able to elevate that sketch and at the end of the day, I'm not an s n l writer, you know, and I think what they're doing is uh you know a great job this season, and uh you know what they need to do is just kind of limit the number of maybe. Campy impersonations that they get per season every few episodes, and you know at the end of the day you can't over season the chicken right <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for sure I mean I I actually think this is like one of my favorite Chloe episodes ever. I'm just going to be honest. Like I'm not, I'm not part of the chorus who, who doesn't, you know, care for all of the impressions and the characters, but I loved what we got from her this week because, you know, playing Mikey's daughter in that role was so, such perfect casting. And like, she was able to add something to the sketch that really like, you know, she could do well. And like, she was able to be over the top with it, but not to the point where it necessarily affected the sketch. Um, obviously she's going to play the bride and then I believe some one of the pregnant women in Mrs. Sullivan in the Midwife sketch but then it's also her role in the Bosses sketch where she's there as the uh, one right. who was being attacked by her co-workers and she plays it there like so well where you can almost you know I guess she does laugh a little bit but you can you know believe that she would you know be whining to her co-workers and I'm just like thinking to myself I'm like okay you know she is cast so well in these roles I would love to continue to see her do that because I think that as a community as fans we would be open so much more to her trying characters and trying over the top campy impressions if she was consistently mm-hmm. great in these other roles, which I think she's naturally
2: a fit for right, and even with that bossa sketch that you alluded to, she hardly said a single word that entire sketch, but her reactions her facial reactions just was so phenomenal that I think you know really demonstrates her ability to showcase another side that maybe uh we're overlooking in in some regards
0: do you guys think that like why do you think she was cast in some of like not not the boss's sketch but some of the other ones over like a sarah sherman because like she actually also like you can apply this question to sarah too like she actually does a great job in more regular roles as well and could have just as easily fit like whatever that demographic is so I, I I always wondered like what goes into like the casting in that scenario and like why one over the other um i guess she's a like, a bit more loud. Well, I think
1: you have to start with the writers right so you start yeah. with like the people who are going to put together the sketch so in the case of the midwife sketch you have Jimmy Fowley and Celeste and Bowen who are putting together this sketch and then they're like okay well we want to write roles for people so right. in this case they felt like this sketch needed a lot of women in the cast you had Ego you had Quinta you have Chloe you have Sarah all in this sketch Sarah's in the barbecue role but basically they felt here that with Heidi being the first pregnant woman it probably and then they needed a sort of like a replica of Heidi I right. think it probably makes more sense to put Chloe in that role over a Sarah but I think these things are so case by case Uh, to answer your question more directly Fred but I think it starts with the writers and then you start to once you start analyzing that which is something that you know really to be honest with our listeners is something that I've started I think to get better at over the years I've been doing this which is like Start with the writers and then think about what they thought of when they designed the sketch and then ultimately evaluate the execution so you could sort of see the runway as it gets created. And I think in that case, you can sort of feel why certain roles go to different people.
2: Uh And how much does sketch order play a role in this too, John?
1: Uh, A lot, for sure. I mean, um, in the case of the midwife sketch, which is the first sketch after update, there is a major break between the traffic altercation sketch and the midwife sketch. Chloe obviously has roles in both. Now, in another episode, you may say to yourself, "Okay, if there is a big makeup job that needs to be done or a costume, this is where you're going to put. You know the two sketches. You know far enough apart from each other to be able to get that stuff done logistically for Chloe. In this case, I don't know that that needed to happen. Like there wasn't anything specific here. But you know what you w- what you would look at for this episode is uh, probably Quinta and Sarah in the Bosses sketch, and that's probably why you had a musical break, I believe, between Midwife and the Bosses to give Quinta enough time to get ready to be put in the Penis Brothers uh, costume stuff. So. These are all like little logistical things that you don't necessarily think about when you're watching the show in the first place, but they have a lot to do, you know, behind the scenes when there's all these producers trying to rearrange everything.
0: And I'm sure they're also maybe trying to spread the love. I'm I'm not sure if like they think about just like, hey, nobody's in any sketch and some people are maybe they're not that thoughtful. I'm not so sure.
1: Well, the thing is, you have to also take into account that it's not just the sketches you see on air that they're thinking about that. It's the 12 or 13 sketches that are chosen that end up going to dress rehearsal. That most of the time, every single person is in one. It's very rare when we have somebody shut out of dress rehearsal. And then once the sketches are picked, they don't usually take a look at like, okay, well, we don't have a Molly tonight. So how do we get a Molly in this? They just usually go with like, you know, the best sketches for the night. So that's how those things sort of end up
2: happening. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, great question, Ken, by the way. Thank you for that. Okay. Let's take a question from, I'm going to go with Theo Nuwala. Hope I pronounced that correctly, but thank you for the question. Uh, do you think Mikey Day is at the end of his run on SNL? So obviously if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've been on the Mikey Day train talking about how great that sketch was this week. I absolutely love what we're getting to see from him. So I'm going to start with you, Mike. What do you think?
2: You know, Mikey has been a part of SNL since I believe it was season 39. He was hired as a writer and then as a cast member, uh, uh, 42, a couple of seasons later, um, almost 10 years. And, you know, it's really been fun seeing him this season. And it almost makes me wonder with all this pep in his step, um, does this comfort and loose energy that we are seeing from him remind you of some how some of the former cast members Talk about their last seasons, right? How they're finally comfortable, how they're having fun, and maybe some of that uh, pressure, the pressure's gone, and knowing that, you know, they're just trying to make the most of the last season. So, this is a good question. But I think, you know, we're really starting to see also uh, a continuation of his strong writing skills. Him and, um, you know, Streeter are still writing phenomenal sketches. And uh, week after week, you know, some of the best sketches of the season are still coming from Mikey. So I don't think it would be um, from a quality standpoint that that he would, you know, end up leaving as much as if he ever got burnt out or felt that, you know, maybe he's ready to move on to something new. So we never really truly know when it's someone's end. But, you know, I don't even know if they really truly know until it's time.
1: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you're like a professional athlete and you're having this like really great season late in your career, you start to question, you're like, should I be retiring? Like, is this what I should be doing? And I'm sure that Mikey Day has had those thoughts, especially with a lot of his classmates and colleagues leaving is like, is this the time to go? And the question will be, does he want to leave on a high or perhaps does he want to just, you know, ride this thing out? Because if it was me and I was crushing week after week in my seventh season, I'm not going anywhere, especially with people returning to the show right now after you know, for the first time in years. I, it would make sense for me and career-wise be the right decision, I think, to stick around. I don't know if all the fans feel that way, but at least I would think that would be what he would want to do. Fred, what do you think? It's also
0: a matter of like, t- to leave for what? Like season two of Is This Cake? Or whatever, like, yeah. <laughs> like like i'm I'm sure he's paid like handsomely well, and he has like a writing duo that like is very successful um mm-hmm. and I view his like pep in his step as actually like kind of like what happened with Keenan like he doesn't he doesn't like it's not like Mikey's like almost bored and comfortable, I think he's just having a good time, which is like what more could you ask of somebody who's like still hilarious, still writing like still pretty relevant, right? Um like you know he's not in like he's not being like pushed aside so like again like I can't like I don't know him as a person and his like thoughts like day to day but unless he had some like incredible like tv deal or what have you or something personal I think he's like at his peak and you know unless I, I don't know I, I would I'm 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 actually like thinking like he's he might ride this out to 50 I have no idea
2: and maybe I'm I can ask both of you but do you see that, you know, with the departures of, you know, uh, Alex Moffat or Cecily or some of his former cast members leaving uh, being, you know, maybe a positive or negative to his mental uh, capacity and being able to, to to write fresh sketches with no, uh, I guess, no barriers in, in that regards? And just, uh, is this kind of a, a good thing or a bad thing that he is on his own without his bandmates?
1: And I, I want to ask him this. I mean, this is something that I'm hoping to get to do. I'm hoping to get to talk to Mikey sometime in the future where I could sort of get to the bottom of this because it's it's really hard for us to answer this question. This is a question for Mikey, but I could only imagine what it's like to be in the building this season knowing that, you know, first of all, most of the COVID restrictions, like the limits and getting guests and stuff like that, those type of things are gone this season. And now they're getting like A level hosts, the new cast members on the show are like unique and diverse and fun. And they have new writers at the show. Like, for him, I just think he's reinvigorated because he's such a, you know, creative, talented person. He's probably reinvigorated with the new blood that's coming to the show. I I would, you know, if he's having fun, I can't imagine why he would want to leave. Like, that's what I'm struggling with. It's like, if, even if he said out at the beginning of the season, this is my last one, I'm going to try and check off every box, I'm going to, you know, have another David S. Pumpkins, and I'm going to bring back, you know, old ideas and stuff like that, but, like, given what's happening, I just, I'd be like, why?
0: Yeah, like, I feel like his bit on Weekend Update with Punky just shows that, like, I feel like he's he's just, like, a sincerely good guy, and, like, is getting along with everyone. He's still writing great stuff, so it's not like he lost Streeter. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's all speculation, but um
1: yeah well we're gonna have his answer in a few weeks anyway so okay. we'll sort of have yeah. an idea of I anything mean, i think if he's going um he would be the type of person that would have a goodbye so i think we would know that as we head towards the finale which isn't too far away from now okay let's take this question from joe logan joe wants to know is bowen nearing the end of his tenure the quality of his sketches has seemed to have taken a hit and he said on his podcast with matt rogers that he's not happy interesting okay I have not listened to the podcast, so I'm not really sure exactly what he said there, but that is uh, sad to hear. I think Bowen's extremely talented, and I would think that he's just entering the prime of his career. Maybe um, the season hasn't been exactly the way he wanted it to go, but um, I think there's still a lot left for him. So, Fred, what do you think?
0: So, like, it's great to have these questions back to back, because I'd say Bowen maybe is starting to seem like the opposite, right? Where his shtick is kind of like now like you know exactly what to expect i love bowen and i love the shtick but like i kind of already know what to expect of him in most sketches and i think like unlike a season two of is this cake bowen maybe has more like more out there for him like he's a bit like his Them is maybe outgrowing snl in a bit compared to most cast members so I could see, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Bowen, maybe it's not, this is his last season, but it starts taking a step back or starts thinking about, like, alternatives, personally.
1: Yeah, he's an interesting case from an analytics perspective because he started really hot this season. Most people came in in picking, you know, thinking he was going to be the MVP. And um, I think he's had some really strong moments, especially in that first half. But I don't know that he's had, a you know consistently high quality second half compared to what we saw in 2022 so mike what are you thinking about bowen's tenure at the show
2: yeah and, and let me start first by saying i also have not heard of this podcast that's in question so i don't really know the speculation that uh that is in question but you know i've grown as most people to really be a huge fan of of bowen you know he's great but i don't necessarily see that decline in quality you know the midwife sketch this week you know looked like bowen was having a blast uh, The beautiful Jim sketch from earlier in the Woody Harrelson episode. Again, another uh, pivotal sketch in his career that you can throw in the Best Of collection. Um, But what maybe we're alluding to is that there are a a lot of quality players this year. And when others rise up, it may be a little more difficult to see the greatness that is Bowen Yang in every single episode. You know, uh, Michael Longfellow is just, um, you know, again, I alluded to how he's Constantly working that makeup artist to death, you know, week after week on, on Weekend Update, whether he's just a, a a tree for one and a half seconds or, you know, every week he's, you know, Michael Longfellow is seeing that week Update, but just, you know, wigged up as much as uh, Bowen was with maybe the Iceberg sketch, right? And so there's a little bit more um, parody upon the rest of the cast members that I think maybe are um, causing, you know, I don't know, Bowen to to be leveled out. If that's, if that's, if that makes sense.
1: For sure. And I don't like to always, you know, think about cast members or talk about them as far as, you know, like demographics or sexuality and all that stuff. But I I do have to say like, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Bowen naturally as anybody would feels, you know, pressure to do well on the show because, you know, he's, you know, a lot of people who are older than him have left. He was sort of, you know, put in as this next star of the show and there haven't been a ton of gay men on the show and there have been a few but not not that many in the history of the show and I think he sort of you know you know feels that pressure he's an Asian man as well and you know also had you know that you know uh, I guess you know background of needing to like play certain roles and like how a lot of you know people who weren't Asian played Asian roles prior so then he was cast on the show and I think there's just been a lot of like you know Big name, you know, celebrities that have had their eyeballs on Bowen and then a lot of people around the world. I think he's lived in Canada, lived in Australia. Like he is just he has fans all over the world and he has huge star potential. So I could only imagine that coming into this season, he probably felt a lot of pressure. And you know, it's it's not easy. We go back in the history of the show and look at cast members from other eras who were coming into their third or four seasons and were rising in popularity. And Ended up, you know, having a lot of issues, whether it was drug-related or other problems outside of the show. It's not, you know, like SNL is is a pressure pot. So I think um, I'm not surprised that he may feel a little bit down on some of the things that are happening to him. But all we can do as fans, you know, is number one, constructively talk about the things that we think Bowen can do better without necessarily hating on him. And number two, showing support when we can, because clearly Bowen is a great guy, and whether he should be on the show now, or he needs to go somewhere else. We can all support that. So um, I'm, I'm thinking about Bowen and I'm sending my best to him.
0: Yeah. I, so I didn't realize it was actually that that serious. Yeah. He's one of the best cast members. I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, just, I, I, I want to yeah. address all those things, yeah, you know?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And certainly we want our cast members to be happy. Right. And if they need to take time away from the show, you know, then do it. I'm not, I don't know if they're listening right now, but if if it's hard, sure. you know, it's it's important to be healthy mentally as it is physically and and whatever. But um, yeah, we've seen nothing but uh, stories in the past about how you know the gauntlet of Saturday Night Live impacts cast members differently. Um, and so uh, again, if if this is something that Bowen has uh, struggled with or doesn't feel passionate about. I hope that um, he is able to find at least some comfort uh, soon in whichever direction he goes.
1: For sure. And again, uh, just as we wrap up this discussion on Bowen, again, I didn't hear what, exactly what he had to say, but all I can say is yeah. just that, like, if somebody is feeling, um, you know, the way that it was described, I just hope that they have the support system between friends and fans around the world to back them. So, sending our love to Bowen because I think he's a great cast member. I think he still has a lot of great work to do ahead of him. So, I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that for the rest of the season, we're going to see some good things from Bowen Yang on the show.
2: Love you, Bowen. Also, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Let's take this next question from Monette. So this is this is a little bit niche. Monette sent a message to us saying, "I apologize if this is too niche, but I'll try and explain as the best I can." So, Monette says uh, this week, Daisy Jones and the Six slash O'Reilly Keough were trending because there was a plot point in the show about a band playing on the late '70s version of SNL. I saw fans of the show online clamoring for the fictional band itself to perform on the show for real and have Riley host essentially doing double duty. Would this be something you'd want to see SNL do, even if it's mostly just catering to something a small section of people online want? Okay. So I was trying, like, I, I have to be honest, I haven't seen the <laughs> show or whatever it was. So I needed to like look this up. And my understand it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it was based on a book. So Daisy Jones and the Six and Riley Keough is the main actress in the show who becomes part of a band and they end up playing on Saturday Night Live. And I thought this was an interesting question. So first off, I'll ask uh, Fred, Mike, have either of you seen this? Um, it, it's a TV show,
2: is it?
0: Yes, I haven't okay, seen, it's seen it. Show. I just know about okay. it because it's based off Fleetwood Mac, and I love Fleetwood Mac. But I've never okay, cool seen. This I have,
2: guy. I have not seen it. Um, it has been high on my my watch list, and I've heard about it certainly. Um, as far as the question goes, does it warrant uh, a hosting or a musical guest uh, performance? You know, I would love to see SNL return the love in some way. I don't know, John, if you know, uh, you know the history of SNL meta. Contributions going back and forth with other, you know, TV series, movies, or pop culture. Um, You know, yeah, I would would say the
1: closest thing, Mike, that would come to something like this would probably be Spinal Tap when they were a musical guest back in the day, (laughs) and uh, that was kind of fun, where you actually had like future SNL cast members becoming like coming as part of like this fictional band that was going to be a musical guest on the show. So I think that would be the one time that I would say that like there was something interesting there i don't know yeah. um well, i and can by see the way, a
2: digital just... short or something out of this you know if they wanted to, if they wanted to do this i'd say keep it a digital short or a surprise appearance but uh, i don't know if it warrants a whole hosting musical guest opportunity
1: yeah by the way and for all the young people who are like what what the heck is Spinal step it's uh christopher <laughs> guest michael mckeon and very sure they're <laughs> all part of this this band so and they were the musical guests on saturday alive in uh season nine episode 18 a year before uh christopher guest and uh harry shearer would, would and dana to carvey i believe ask, was in yeah.
2: Smile tap too was he i don't remember that. Yeah, yeah yeah he had a guest appearance, oh, yeah. yeah i can't remember the character yeah right yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that would be like the most meta i've seen snl get with guests like this um fred anything else on this question for monette
0: no i just i think i agree with the two of you i think it'd be nice as like maybe a sketch or something but unless they reach like the fa- like the legendary status of Spinal Tap, you know, it would break my heart to see a whole episode go to them instead of like, you know, some, SNL. well, no, no, no. Well, even, even more than that, it's just like some like <laughs> SNL alumni, right? Like, I don't know if the if sure. this show was like, is not popular enough. Um, just for like one wink, wink meta joke. Maybe it's not quite worth it, but um. for sure.
1: Yeah, I think like once SNL starts getting like fictional characters as their host of the show, like I think then we could like talk about where the show is headed. But I appreciate the question about that because it's very creative and it's fun to talk about. And certainly a lot of people in the fandom would enjoy this. I just think it's like probably way too niche. Like I don't think enough people like watch the show or understand um, what would be happening here. And and I think that the overall in 48, clearly the quality of the host is like moved from B-list celebrity to A-list celebrity. So I think they're headed in the right direction with that. Okay, let's take this next question from at uh, Farshalities, who sent us a message and said, uh, Molly Shannon is a famed SNL cast member. What other SNL cast members should get an episode to show off their natural chemistry? So I think if I understand the question correctly here is like, is there another SNL cast member that's an alumni that you would like to see return to host the show? So Fred, any choices?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first one that came to mind was Bobby Moynihan, right? He's already been on, been on the show this season. And then trying to dig a little deeper because of Molly's era, I think, but I might be wrong, that Tim Meadows has never hosted, or is that Tim Meadows
1: has never hosted the show? No.
0: Yeah, so like, I feel like I mean, he's been on the show so long, and like, yeah, maybe not everyone will recognize him anymore, but I've always loved him. Those are kind of like the
2: first few that came to mind. Mike, you got a pick? Yeah. You know, the list of SNL cast members that return to host is getting shorter and shorter, but I think it's imminent that we'll get a Kate McKinnon sooner than later. Same with Cecily in 80 and who knows, maybe a power trio will return, right? Um, That'd be amazing. But you know, there's just overall a lot of great women who have never hosted. I look at Rachel Dratch, Anna Gosteyer, Sharon Terry. Terry, you know, yeah, I love all Sherry. part of Molly's, uh, you know, era, who I'd love to see. Maybe they'll return uh, this weekend, you know, time will tell. But, um, you know, or Bob Moynihan, as you had mentioned, Fred. So uh, there's, yeah, a lot of, of, of great former cast members. I, I could see that, fill that spot
1: yeah and certainly, um, Vanessa Bayer would be a good choice as well oh, as Vanessa somebody, yeah yeah, yeah, who can come back and do that, so that'd be a fun well, and with um, her
2: and Molly, right. her and Molly, you know they had um that show right that that yeah. was just uh, yeah, so we could see her this weekend, you know,
1: yeah, for sure, and this is a great nugget from our friend Ken in the chat, who said that Tim uh, Meadows was actually asked to do a cameo in the Eddie Murphy episode but had to decline, so um that would have been great to getting back on the show then. Okay, let's take this next question from Ian. Ian says, um, if we were to get SNL alumni cameos during the Molly Shannon episode, Who do you think would be most likely to make an appearance out of Anna Gasteyer, Vanessa Bayer, or Will Ferrell? So three people who have worked with Molly Shannon, obviously Anna Gasteyer, you know, the NPR, the Delicious Dish uh, people. Um, Vanessa Bayer, uh, who is, you know, we said had a TV show and is still potentially going to get another season with Molly Shannon or Will Ferrell, uh, has been many sketches with Molly Shannon. So Mike, do you have a pick here out of those three?
2: I must've spoke too soon. I apologize. But, uh, you know, Vanessa Bayer with, uh, you know, they're in that show together. I, I love that for you, I believe it's called. And, yeah. um, so I could see that from a standpoint of uh, recency, just working very well together. Um, and I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that there's a Will Ferrell appearance for a dog show, but <laughs> I'm really hoping for that.
1: Okay. Fred, do you have a pick here between those three?
0: So one of my best friends and I have an inside joke about, like, the intro to Anna Gasteyer, where it's like, Anna Gasteyer. So I just had to say that in case he ever listens. I think I'd love to see Molly kind of stick with her contemporaries. And, like, I'd, I'd, I think Anna, especially with her own show. Um, and then, like you said, I think Vanessa probably will get her due on her own eventually anyway. But um, my vote would go for Anna Gasteyer.
1: Yeah, uh, same here. I think that Anna Gasteyer was a very popular pick for a potential host this season. Don't know if it was a scheduling conflict or perhaps she just didn't want to or doesn't want to, you know, have the spotlight as the host, which is totally fine. And if that's the case, would love her to appear with Molly Shannon. I think it's, you know, really fun to get the two of them back together as uh, Terry Rialto and uh, Margaret Jo McCullen. So that would be great to get the delicious dish ladies back together uh, for the first time on the show since 2010. So that's my hope. Next question that comes in is also from Ken George Jones who says that with Molly Shannon hosting this week, there's been so much talk of which characters or impressions could return. What is the most obscure impression or character from Molly that you'd like to see again? Brett, do you have a pick here for something a little bit under the radar for Molly?
0: I feel like she has so many popular and like louder characters. So trying to dig like deeper, I... The first thing that came to mind but it it just wouldn't be topical anymore was her courtney love like i used to big nirvana Mm -hmm. i used to be a big nirvana fan and i remember i thought that was like a lot of fun but right now maybe not makes so much sense so uh this is a tough one for me to be honest
1: yeah, I'll give you a fun impression pick, which was uh, Monica Lewinsky, which Monica Lewinsky was just tweeting to Elon Musk about how Monica was so upset that people were taking away uh, the blue check. So that Twitter was going to take that away from her. So she sort of still is in the news, like not the same way as she was in the 90s, but that could be a fun. Let's impression put her
2: on effect. weekend update. Let's put her on weekend yeah. update as Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun, Mike. Do you have another pick for us?
2: Um, you know, I I said it earlier. I I love that dog show sketch with Will Ferrell. It's kind of niche, but uh, you know, it, it was a reoccurring sketch in the late '90s, and uh, you know, it, it's always it's always an easy laugh if you put dogs in a room with comedians. So, you know, I I love the synergy between the the characters, and um, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, is there any cast member, well, I'll ask a question for myself, just is there any quest, cast member you're looking forward to working directly with Molly? I
0: could see her having a lot of fun with like a Sarah Sherman or a Heidi. Um, kind of playing Yeah, I'm looking care. at those
2: high energy cast members, right? Yeah, um, Yeah. so a Sarah Sherman. Um that makes sense. Yeah, it... Or, like, making, Um. like, a (laughs) long pillow feel awkward in a way.
0: Like, just, like, kind of some, like, over-the-top kind of... Yeah flirtatious thing or i have no idea i
1: was thinking also because i saw the i saw the promo and she did uh mary catherine gallagher like you know hands under the armpits and stuff i was like you know sometimes when they do that in the promos they don't do that in the actual episode so i'm wondering if we won't be getting a mary catherine gallagher i
2: did see that so just about yeah like an hour before we started here that the the nbc posted the promo with the jones brothers and uh they do the mary catherine gallagher armpits and i'm like well, looks like we're not getting it this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah, my guess is we won't. Could will yeah. be
2: throwing us off, but perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I could see also Molly, though. I also could see Molly's energy. You know, yeah. they have so much energy that could not match. Up. Right, oh, yeah. right. The physicality yeah, yeah. and maybe, Um, you know, what if we saw a Sally O'Malley with, you know. A Sally uh, O'Malley, maybe. A, a oh. Sally O'Malley. Yeah. SNL writers, I know it's probably too late at this point, but I hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah for sure all right well let's take this last question that came in from our friend victor higgins uh in quotes fan of the fan of the show and podcast so thanks victor uh with quinta coming from hbo's a black lady sketch show who would you like to see host who has been on a sketch comedy show snl and non-snl shows so these questions are always a little fun fred do you have another pick for a host that you can think of
0: tim robinson Right, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Like, I think, like, you know, he's. I think he was only on for a season, but like, people love his show. Um, he can come back and his monologue do the whole like making fun of the fact that he was only on for a season thing, and then, um, have a lot of fun, like strange fun with some of like the younger cast members or Sarah. Like, his kind of style, um, I think that'd be great.
2: Great pick, Mike Allen. Um, on the topic of Tim Robinson, I want to allude back to this last episode with the drug dealer sketch. When he opened his mouth, the first thing that Andrew Dismukes said was, you know, the girls in here are insane. And that sounded to me like it was Tim Robinson speaking out of Andrew Dismukes' body. And I'm like, yeah. are we seeing a little bit of Tim Robinson here out of Andrew well, they, They've <laughs> written
1: together before, actually. I think in 46, they wrote that uh, Jack Flats sketch together. Um, oh, okay, okay.
2: So they part. are familiar with yeah. each other in that regard. Yeah. But I, was, I wrote all over my notes, Tam Robinson, question mark? but uh yeah no as far as who i would like to see host um from another sketch comedy show my answer is eric andre i i don't i don't even know if that he counted as a sketch performer he's just a great comedian i would love to see him and then also jordan peele we saw you know King michael key uh a couple of seasons ago or last season maybe it was but uh you know we i understand that he was also almost booked as Obama in 2008 and was on mad TV. So he has a little bit of a history with SNL, but I would love to see, uh, you know, Jordan Peele host.
0: I feel like I have another good one. Just if I can, I think Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. I know Bob used to write for the show. And then like, if they kind of did like a duo thing, like that'd be
1: great. These are all great picks. So, Uh, you both were fantastic tonight it was so much fun to get to answer these questions with you and thanks to everybody who sent them in you could always check our social media to sign up and uh, write your questions in for our patron feedback shows those will be up every single week on Tuesday or Wednesday and then we usually do these shows on Thursdays so uh, thanks for everybody who checked out the show this week coming up next we have our hot take show immediately after the Molly Shannon and Jonas Brothers episode of Saturday Night Live and then of course Our roundtable next week, and by the numbers. Quick programming note: there will not be a patron feedback show next week because I will be traveling in New York City. But I will be back for the roundtable for that week, and then uh, we will have a patron feedback show again in a couple of weeks' time. So only three shows next week. Hope you can. uh, Hope you're still getting enough SNL content from all of us. But uh, that is the schedule that's coming up for now, and hopefully maybe a bonus show here or there along the way. All right, Fred. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Where can the listeners check out everything you got going on?
0: I'm just a regular person with a regular Instagram. If you want to follow me, cool. you can, but uh, no real content.
1: Okay. I'm just a regular person too, by the way, just yes. putting that out there. But but yes, uh, totally check uh, what our Fred's going got going on. <laughs> Mike, you were awesome on the first podcast with us. So thanks for joining us. Anything you want to plug for the listeners?
2: Yeah, I am also, for the most part, a regular person. You know, kind of a cybernetic android as well. But you can, uh, if you really want to follow me you know, on YouTube, I'm Homestar H-O-M-S-T-A-R, um, and then you know, Instagram Homestar B-H-Z. So uh, it was great being here, John. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Thanks to everybody in the chat who joined us live tonight and who is checking out the show afterwards. So on behalf of Fred and Mike, my name is John Schneider from the SNN. Up next, we got some Molly Shannon. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.